people at her house, Kate. Oh. We played Dungeons and Dragons. It was oh, very nice. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, hi. You're listening to Service from Hell, a podcast featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky few that got out and all the good, bad, and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work. I'm actor and writer Kate Gaffney, and I'm uniquely qualified to discuss this as I used to work at a very busy and very popular comedy club in Los Angeles. And at least one of you listening right now has probably grabbed me and told me you were ready to order when I was running around like a crazy person. So let's eat. I'd like to welcome our guest, comic Jackie Cation. Is it Cation? Is that how you say it? It is Cation, you asked me. And because here's the thing, I've been, I just uh, recorded my new album, which hopefully will be out all yesterday. Uh, but I've named it Staycation because of the COVID and because I want people to know how to pronounce my name finally. Well, that's very clever. All right. Well, I'm going to go yes. on with your bio. Originally from South Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Cation has been doing stand up for over 35 years. Jackie can most recently be heard on NPR and seen on HBO's Two Dope Queens. Jackie has had several number one albums on Amazon and iTunes, hopefully including Staycation, and has two extremely successful podcasts, The Dork Forest, since 2006, y'all. That's pre-anybody else in this space, so everybody else that claims to be an OG can suck it, where she talks with people about what they love to do, think about, and collect. She also has a podcast with Lori Kilmartin, who is lovely, where they talk about the thing they love most in the world, stand-up comedy, called The Jackie and Laurie Show. I better know Jackie from her hilarious podcast and also her insanely funny comedy, but I also am meeting her for the first time right now in front of all of you, so I am probably most excited that I get, a, that I get to interrogate someone so funny right now because she's friends with a lot of lovely people in the comedy world that I know. So that said, Jackie, let's go. What got you into comedy? What got you into podcasting so early? How did I get into stand-up? Well, uh, I have told this story at least once today. Let's tell it again. <laughs> it's, 19, it's 1984. Ronald Reagan has us all by the short hairs. Uh, so I'm going to college, University of Wisconsin-Madison. Uh, Bill Kinnison owns a comedy club there. He is Sam Kinnison's brother. I am 19 years old. The drinking age is 18. Uh, so my friends are like, shall we go to the comedy club? And I say, yes, we shall. And then um, I proceed to get so drunk that I heckle Sam Kinnison so much that the management has to come up to me and tell me to shut the fuck up uh, several times until finally the guy goes, open mic is on Sunday. Seriously, you have to shut up. That's and amazing. so I came back three weeks later, did open mic. It was like falling into a vat of heroin or what I assume is like falling into a vat of heroin. And I was, I got a 1.8 that semester. <laughs> Okay, so and what did there's you? There's the short. There's the there's the concise. There's the short version. Yep, I'm into it. Okay, so you get into comedy because you were heckling, and you actually that marks the second guest on the podcast that got into comedy starting with heckling. It's an indictment. Every yeah. time I'm heckled, I'm just like, <laughs> who deserves it? I do. Who deserves it? Yeah, I guess. Except for that, I don't. And That's right. None of us do. None yeah. of us deserve it, you guys. Yeah, heckling is out. the worst. Okay, so you are now. What got you to move from South Milwaukee to LA? Because that's quite a change. Well, South Milwaukee to Madison, Wisconsin, where I went to college. Madison, Wisconsin. We bought a $50 car when we graduated and drove to Cape Cod, and I worked at a hot dog stand. And then a couple of my friends from college, we all sort of dispersed, much like the Armenians. <laughs> anyway, but the uh, we dispersed, and uh, one of my friends was moving to Minneapolis. 
all of my comic friends, my work friends from Madison, were all moving to Chicago to do stand-up. And I was like, I'm going to Minneapolis. I am going in the opposite direction of yourselves. And uh, and so, and I have a brother who lives there. So um, I knew that I could at least get one square meal a week. <laughs> and uh, so that was in 1990. And so I, from 90 to like 96, 97, I lived in Minneapolis, did the road. And then in 96, 97, I moved to Los Angeles uh, because a friend of mine was like, you don't have any kids. Get out of here. Give it a shot. <laughs> Run it up the flagpole. See if anyone cares. <laughs> and so I did. And I've been here ever since. And I love it. You do. Okay. And, I do. And yes. did you want to, was your thought, as soon as comedy takes off, then I'm going to get into acting and movies and all of that? Or was comedy your main goal? The weird thing about me and moving to Los Angeles is that I... I'm not good at the rest of show business, right? <laughs> I can do stand-up comedy, but I'm not, like, I would like to act, but everyone I know who is an actor literally doesn't say, I would like to act. They fucking act. <laughs> they, do, they do student films. They produce their own YouTube thing. They write plays for themselves. They, there's some old costumes in the attic. They fucking do it. Uh, <laughs> And that's how I am with stand-up. And so I want, I would like to act. I would like to voice over more than anything, which is more sort of podcasting and that kind of thing. But um, one thing I've never wanted to do, though I, I, <laughs> I look back at it and go, hey, you're an idiot, uh, <laughs> is I never wanted to write for a show. Because this is what I picture. Five to 14 people in a windowless room <laughs> making dick jokes until someone says something funny. <laughs> not my idea of a, good of a party because it's all dudes. So it's just going to be one fisting joke after another. <laughs> and I'm just like, and I like a good fisting joke as much as the next person. Who doesn't? But let me tell you how many good fisting jokes I've heard. I can think of none. So, which means there might've been two. <laughs> so, so you weren't really, the goal wasn't much beyond comedy. Although even having a comedy goal is, is, shooting for the stars. Well, it's fine. I mean, the thing about stand-up is that it was, I knew I wanted to do stand-up on television, you know, which is interesting since I've been here quite some time and I've done stand-up on television. One hand, we can, we can count it. Right now, actually, I'm in such a pissy mood, Kate, uh, because I just recorded my new album. I filmed my new special and I filmed it and paid for it myself because ostensibly the reason is because I want to own my own content, Kate. Uh, and that's, that is that I am not wrong, but, uh, here's the other reason. Nobody offered me a giant bag of fucking money to do it. <laughs> so, uh, how about that? And, and if you want to cut up an hour into one minute chunks for TikTok, you have to have video. Yes. Okay. So you funded your own and then you shot it but then how, how does distribution work if you're funding it yourself? Do you just start giving it to people to put on, on networks or where, where can people see it? Well, that's an excellent question. I have uh, no idea. <laughs> uh, I literally, I paid, uh, actually a friend of mine split it with me. I had two albums ago. This will make an excellent Horcrux was my, I think, second album, second, third album. And I also filmed that and made that into a DVD that I sold on the road. You know, 
three out of ten people still own a DVD player. So uh, I would like a DVD. My father would like a DVD, but he's 84. But the thing is, is yeah, he loves it because there's always 20 new minutes about him. And uh, so, but the the thing is, so Horcrux is actually it's on YouTube. When when the pandemic started, I was like, just don't go out. So I put it as my pin tweet, the unlisted link. I ripped it and put it on YouTube. And it got, I think, I think it got some views. I get, I don't know. Anyway, but um, but it felt like I was helping, right? And people can watch it. And I was like, if you want, you can send me $10 via the Venmo or whatever. Or you can uh, just stay in your house and watch <laughs> an hour of comedy. You know, some people sent me some money and, and a lot of people watched it. And it was good. And so, I'm, you know, I can always do that. And then I, I cut up Horcrux, I think, into about 50 clips and, and put those on TikTok and Reels and Instagram and, and all the things. And that actually drew, like, it generated fans and stuff like that. So that's cool. Yeah. And then, sadly, my album after that, I was like, I, I don't have another 20 grand. So I did not film Hero, uh, I'm Not the Hero of This Story, which is my the current album that's out, which is a pity because that one would have been, it would have been great because now I got to clip those up and all it is is stills. Ugh. So I'm like, mm, it's not as fun, TikTok, <laughs> but here you go. So this, so this special, it will, we'll see. Remains to be seen, sort of what we remains to be seen. Okay, uh, available for licensing. Any of you out there work for HBO Max or Netflix or Comedy Central or Peacock or oh fucking Quibbly could come back from the dead. I don't <laughs> care. Just someone, someone. hand me twenty grand because uh, <laughs> that's what I need. Okay, and you said so. You love LA and you're, you're here to stay. Is there was there something in? Were you always told you were funny your whole life and people were like, but prior to the heckling incident, uh, no. you, nothing. Okay. No. I am the youngest of six. Oh. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been the youngest of six, but <laughs> no. uh, there's one sibling who's always what I like to call the golden child. And my brother, Russ, is the golden child. Ah. He is currently 60 years old, but he is uh, the golden child. Still. And he, still. <laughs> and it's because he doesn't make mistakes. He really, I mean, he is very, very... But he was always, he's the smart one. He was the good, one of the, you know, he was, he wasn't the best looking one, but he was a good looking one. He was, uh, and I remember when I came back from college and I said I was doing stand up, my stepmother, who had been my stepmother for 10 years, said, You're not the funny one. Russ is the funny one. Oh my God. And I was like, So sad, too bad. I'm going to do stand up. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. <laughs> and now he's an econ professor. <laughs> So fuck him. And has, well, he was on the Dork Forest. It's one of the a fan favorite from last year. Oh. Because he did Hallmark movies. Oh, well, that's a good one. And spreadsheet with Hallmark movies. Yeah. It's an excellent episode of the Dork Forest. I, I bet. I can only recommend. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he, and it was back to back with Jen Kirkman doing uh, Hallmark movies. Oh, forget it. Forget <laughs> it. Okay. Good to know. All right. So everyone loves him. So I better not talk shit about the Golden Child. <laughs> Oh, he's fine. He'll get over it. He has a giant bag of Scrooge McDuck money. He's, uh, <laughs> he's also been very successful, as you can imagine. Oh, well, you know, doesn't make it's mistakes. all working out yeah. for Russ-cation. <laughs> he's had two lovely sons. His wife is very nice and very good. You know, they're all good-looking people. It's fine. They have a dog. It's lovely. It's all working out. But he is a good person.
person. Ah. So let's. Uh, but the thing is, is he is a bit of a button pusher. So there are there are moments where you're like. Well, it's been great talking to you because he's still my brother. <laughs> sure, right? he's sure. Still a jackass. Yeah, of course, <laughs> that's like they're born that way. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed your apps, folks. We're going to move on to the Andres after a quick break. We are back, and now it is time for the Andres. Okay, Jackie, this is the. It's, I call it a speed round of questions, but I actually welcome a ton of, of stories and whatever you feel like talking about here. So, sure. First question is: What was your first job ever where the government was taking taxes out of your money? So, not necessarily. Oh. You can say babysitting or lemonade stand. We've gotten that answer too. But if you can think of a job where you were like, "Oh yeah, I was," you know, whatever. It, Oh, I am. Uh, you'll be happy to know that I'm plug and play on this topic. Amazing. So uh, because but my first job where the government took some money out, I was a dishwasher. Oh, wow. Uh, at a restaurant okay. called I think like the Blue Heron or some fucking thing. It was horrible. <laughs> uh, they had like they had like it was weird. Uh, I believe it's a boutique hotel now. Oh, anyway, in Cudahy, Wisconsin. OK. And I was a dishwasher and it was dumb. And, he, and the reason it was dumb was because. I was already making money before that. I was 16, and I, I was a criminal. I was a baby, baby criminal. Here's what happened: when I was 14, there was a there was a pizza place in my small town of South Milwaukee, Wisconsin, right just south of Cote, uh, where it was called Freshies Pizza, and their slogan was "We make them, you bake them," and they had a deal where if you bought three pizzas, you got one for free. So I went to them and I said, would you like me to advertise and try to sell the pizzas door to door? And they said, what do you want to do? And I didn't have a bike either. I was 14. I didn't own a bike. So I was like, well, what I would just go to different neighborhoods and I would knock and say, Freshies Pizza, you, you order a pizza, I'll run and get it and I'll bring it back to you and I'll make like three bucks a pizza. So South Milwaukee is about three square miles, if that. I don't even know. Uh, but um, it was still going to take me an hour to sell one pizza, right? To get the get the sale, call it in from their house, run, <laughs> pick it up, walk it back. So it wasn't exactly so, efficient. <laughs> uh, it was so inefficient. So a week of that, I just ordered three pizzas, got four, and sold all four of them door to door. You smart, and- smart human. Yes, except for that I lied in the pitch and I said that uh, someone had ordered them and now I was just trying to get rid of some pizzas and some, they, of course, called Freshies and like, what is happening? And uh, so they fired me. So that was, that was, I think, the first, like, like external job. Okay. I also did this thing with student council candy bars where they were supposed to be 50 cents a piece. And you weren't supposed to sell them off campus. Well, everyone was selling them off campus. Where else you can everyone. sell them? Every, of course. Right. And so I started selling them in front of Kmart and in front of Kohl's. And at every bar in between them, I was 15 uh, for a dollar each. You are brilliant. And, and I was making like 75, 100 bucks a, a week, spending it all on Donkey Kong <laughs> and, uh, and Hubert. And so uh, I... And then, so I was doing that, and, and the pitch was, would you like to be the proud owner and sole proprietor of a student council candy bar? And I was selling the hell out of them. I got, I, I got expelled? Suspended. I got suspended because, of course, I bragged about it. Hubris was my downfall. <laughs> As is always the case. Uh, I bragged about it to Holly Habonic, and Holly Habonic narked on me. 
bitch. Uh, it, oh, the worst. <laughs> we had we had other words when I was in fifth grade. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sure she's fine now. We're all a hundred years old now. <laughs> so so the the principal called me into the office and he said, "I hear you're selling candy bars for a dollar each off campus." Now I thought he was only mad about off campus, and I said. Well, everyone's selling them here. So I, he was like, yeah, but you're selling them for a dollar. And I was like, well, you're getting your cut. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, what's the and, problem, guy? <laughs> right. And he could, I, it was like I had punched him in the face because he said, oh, well, I, we're going to have to call your parents. And I said, well, my parents know. Of course they know. It was my dad was psyched that I was not an idiot. And, uh, and so I'm expelled and I'm walking home from school, literally terrified, like thinking about suicide. My world has gone topsy-turvy. I thought about throwing myself into traffic. I was like, I'm, I'm in trouble for selling, for making a profit? This doesn't make any sense to me. So I get home. My dad and my sister are both sitting on the couch. And I don't know if they were there. No, I think I got home and I had to call Nancy. I had to call my stepmother and go, I just got suspended. And, she, and so she's like, well, I guess you're grounded. Anyway, I'm at work. I'll be home around five. And so uh, I hang up. I go into the, my bedroom. I'm reading a book. I come out. My dad and my sister are sitting on the couch in the living room. And my dad, they looking very stern. And a beat goes by, and they both burst out laughing. <laughs> and my dad stands up and pats me on the back and says, dinner's on you, kid. That was it. That was it. Unbelievable. See, but you were being yeah. an entrepreneur. I, I don't, like, you weren't doing uh, anything shady hmm. necessarily. Except for that, I, they did think the whole dollar was going to student council. And, uh, oh. but, and <laughs> right, there was a misrepresentation out. of funds. <laughs> and, and, and I, but so I was selling him one time. After that, I was just I was just uh, buying wholesale and selling them, but it wasn't as good of a pitch <laughs> no, for <it's> obvious <laughs> reasons. But uh, I was selling them, and this woman was like, "Why are you doing this?" And I said, "To make money." And she goes, "Do you want a job?" And I said, "Sure." Feel, felt like a trick. Kid. Yeah, felt like a trick. Yeah, and because uh, I didn't, I was making cash, and then just I would uh, right next to Kmart was the arcade. And in between Kmart and Kohl's was a bowling alley, which had another arcade. Anyway, I had my days planned. <laughs> so uh, she was like, well, you could have a job at the Blue Heron or whatever the, as a dishwasher. And I was like, all right. Oh. So I had that job for like six months until they cut my shifts because I might have had a bad attitude. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Hubris so. was your downfall again. Always, always. <laughs> Wait, I don't. So what I don't understand, though, is. So from the so you sell for a while and the woman offers you the job. Was she offering you more money so that it didn't feel like selling candy bars was going to be a good grift anymore? Or was it like, I should make this move? I should make this move because oh. we're all told that we should have job jobs. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Even with that. that being self-employed is somehow Insane. not. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, okay. And then my dad's like, you're going to work at the Blue Heron. All right. Or whatever. I can't remember what it was called. I don't think it was the blue heron. We're going with that though. So when you were washing dishes, because I've, I, I've like had to run stuff through the, the dishwasher just because everybody that's ever worked at a restaurant's had to do it at least once. Yep. And it hot, she's, she's motioning with her arms, the like push through and the, and the steam is so fucking terrible. And the steam uh, and the hot. And yeah. The how did you do that for, cause that's, it's just so hot. How did you do it for six months? Well, it was dumb, uh, <laughs> but it's, I mean, the th that's the thing about jobs, right? I yeah, mean, jobs are dumb. It's what, whenever anybody, whenever comics tell me, 
I could never do anything else for a living man. I'm like, what? You don't have any thumbs anymore? <laughs> Would you, you lose your thumbs You're somehow? Because <laughs> you could answer phones. You could do dishes. I don't understand what the problem is. Yeah. And granted, it's poorly paid. It's a poor. I yeah. mean, there's a reason why. It's usually not the smartest dude in the world who's your dishwasher. Or the eldest or the most legally in this country. Right. Or, it's, right. Exactly. Yeah. It's always, there's always something dodgy going on. Yeah, for sure. It's, yeah, for sure. Okay. So it's an entry level job unless you have a reason to still have that job. Sure. It's a hard, oof, it's hard. Okay. So you go from your, your washing dishes for six months. Then did you, because you were lovingly, gently let go because of your um, opinions. I was not even let go. I quit. <laughs> oh, you did? They just sort of, yeah, they were just like giving me one shift every two weeks or something. And you're like, I can't live on that because you can't. Yeah, yeah. I w- and I wanted to be in marching band. And so they wanted me to, they started trying to book me on Friday nights. And I was like, well, that's where the, that's when the games are. I mean, <laughs> I, got, I, I got to play my trumpet. And, uh, <laughs> that's sweet. It is. It's adorable. Yeah. Uh, okay. So how many customer service jobs have you had total? And feel free to go through the list. Right. Okay. So one, two, three, four, five, and then stand up. I count stand up. So probably, yeah. So six. Okay. And we'll- it's like, um, so during college, one of the ways I supplemented my Pell Grants and my student loans was mm-hmm. I sold t-shirts at the football games oh. uh, for University of Wisconsin-Madison. Uh, I wanted to go out for the marching band. My brother, Russ, he comes up again. Here he goes. He said, do you want to make money? Or do you want to spend money? And I was like, how is being in the marching band spending money? That's why I went to Madison. And he was like, by not making money. I can get you, I can get you a job selling shirts at the, at, the, at the games. I never went to a game. I auditioned for the, foot, for, the team, for the marching band. And Russ was like, you don't want to go out for the marching band. I mean, literally to this day, still kind of mad about it. I would be too. But, yeah. But, you know, it's fine. I made thousands of dollars. So uh, selling T-shirts. And they were all seconds and irregulars. They were all knockoffs. <laughs> and because Sid and his son, Mark, screen printed them themselves. themselves. We had fucking Bucky T-shirts. <laughs> fucking Bucky T-shirts, which are now against a lot of have. Of course. Because of copyright trademark. Sure. Uh, but, and we sold Wisconsin, where Bucky was relieving himself behind a tree. <laughs> we sold hats that were jock straps called athletic supporter hats. <laughs> There was a lot of dumb jokes going on. It sounds like it. Wait, wait, you said you auditioned for the marching band. Did you get in? Uh, I missed the final audition because Russ was like, I'm driving home. Do you want to take the Badger bus or do you want to ride? Oh, Russ. I mean, I'm sorry. I know your fans like him, but Russ, bro, <laughs> you're no he fan of the right, arts. He sabotaged my, he did. my, uh, my, my marching band dreams. Okay. I, so- I do have a marching band hat that Mike LaCrone, who was the... Um, the band director for 40 years, he just retired. I got a, I got a hat signed by him and then I wore it too much and it's starting to wear off. So I'm like, how do I, how do I save it? He's going to like 90 years old. He's going to die. And are you still, I'm going to get back to these questions, but are you still a Madison fan? Like, is that your team, your college team? If I had one, okay. I don't, you don't. Yeah. I am wearing a, a Milwaukee, Milwaukee Bucks, Bucks hat yeah. I was just in Milwaukee and I wanted to be supportive, but I, oh, I bought it to be supportive. I don't watch sports at all. And, but it's so funny because I don't know if you know this about the Milwaukee Bucks, but their slogan, I don't fear the deer. 
That's ridiculous Stop. and hilarious. Stop. Fear the deer. I'm writing that down. <laughs> the only time to be afraid of deer is when you are driving late at night. Accurate. And, Accurate. And on a country highway. 100% true. Okay, so you said six total. Um, so I had the candy bar illegal slash also sort of legal sales. I had the blue hair. Right, and Sid Sweet selling shirts outside the football stand. And yep, then I that's... worked at, they eventually got a store. Uh, called Sweet Teas. Okay. Pew, pew. <laughs> and Sweet Teas was a, uh, <laughs> it was just, it was t shirts and sweatshirts, hooded sweats. And that was the other thing. Sid would, all of a sudden, he would show up behind you like Baby Yoda. <laughs> and uh, he'd be like, You got to talk it up. You got to talk it up. <laughs> and so you had to yell, you had to bark. You like hats, t-shirts, hooded sweats, hats, t-shirts, hooded sweats. You're and, just yelling um, this at the people walking by. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God. And um, he didn't mind, supposedly, he didn't mind markup. Oh, I'll bet. Like if, if, if you could talk to someone into spending $25 for their second or regular hooded sweatshirt, all the tags were cut. And people would be like, why is the tag cut? And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so there was a lot of lying in my early sales career is what I'm saying. It was not – I was not the hero of that story. And then – so I worked at Sweet Teas, and then they opened up a store in the Wisconsin Dells, Ooh. which is essentially – I don't know what – it's like Atlantic City, but Wisconsin. Yeah. It's like Old Sac, but Sacramento. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kites, fudge, water rides, and it's then Americana. there's some nature. Yeah, it's a lot of old Americana. Right, and, and – and I worked, it was dumb. There was a lot of <laughs> like 70, 80 hour weeks. And I shared a, a, like a two bedroom apartment with two, there were four, five of us. Ugh. It was dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So that was customer service. That was t-shirts and whatever. Yeah. So I've got four. And then. What were the other two? Yeah. And then hot dog stand in Cape Cod, Provincetown, Massachusetts. Now, for yeah. those that don't know, that that used to be an area where a lot of people who identify as gay were able to go and actually express who they were, and it was considered very... Gay resort. Yeah. Huge gay resort yeah. in 1988. Uh, 88, 89, and 90, I think I did it. To stay longer would have just been giving up on everything but crawling <laughs> into a bottle. Uh, it was hot dogs and, and clam baskets and fish, you know, fried fish, and it was one of those window... Window do window ones. Oh wow! Where uh, I worked the register, and then that was the first year, and then the second year I did the window and the fry, like the the Ooh. fry cook and the fry later. Moved up, and the third and the first year I also I stayed because I had just graduated from college and I was going to go to Europe for three months. And um, oh yeah, that's another one. Uh, yeah, so I spent the dumbest three months in London working at a movie theater in Leicester Square. Oh, I love Leicester Square. That's a hot spot. You were probably busy like crazy. Yeah, it was dumb. Uh, it was uh, it was super dumb. I made I worked at the I worked at the youth hostel from seven a.m. to or yeah seven a.m. to nine a.m. and then eleven a.m. to nine p.m. I worked at the movie theater, and then guess how much London and England I got I was just to about see. to say you worked all the time. You didn't see anything. No, no, I didn't see a lot. <laughs> I wasn't very good because then I'd come back from the from the, the the movie theater and I'd just go down and drink with the Aussies and South African dudes sure. and uh, Carlsberg Lager. It was, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then I'd get up and do it all again. That was your whole. And life. I I took a couple of days to myself. Like I went to one theater thing. I went on one bus trip to. Oh, I went to Bath 
And uh, that is nice. <laughs> and then I I did the Tower Bridge. You know, yeah. I I went to the t- whatever. I did a little bit of uh, tourist stuff, not enough. And then finally quit. And then spent like three weeks backpacking. And then came home. Okay. okay. And then the next one after the hot dog stand would have been Kinko's. Oh my which is god! Now FedEx office. Oh my that god! That was the worst. Uh, the very worst. Okay. Uh, we're Minneapolis, Minnesota, downtown. Oh. Okay, we're going to get into that. Wait, I want to go back really quickly. Did the hot dog stand have some sort of punny, ironic name because it was in sort of a gay area? Nope. Oh, that's a waste. No, although I used to say, would you like a condiment on that? That's funny. Uh, to the very, very drunk gay men, <laughs> and it would always get a laugh. I bet. That's funny. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Okay. So then you worked at FedEx office. Well, formerly Kinko's now FedEx office. And you said, now one of our future questions is what, which was the worst you're telling me unequivocally. This is the worst. Unequivocally. Why? Okay. We just jump right to that. Let's get there. Um, because it was, I think I was making $6 and 85 cents an hour. Uh, I think it went up to wait. No, I was making six fifty-five, and by the end of the year, I was making six eighty-five. I was trying to get a job at this hippie T-shirt poster uh, catalog in Minneapolis that my brother was friends with a guy, and he, he's got a lot of hookups oh, in T-shirts. In the, yeah, I all I worked, I almost worked in T-shirts in in Provincetown, and I lasted like I lasted three hours trying to wait tables in Provincetown. Oh, it was too much because I lied and said that I knew how to do it. <laughs> And I did not. It turns out it's a learned skill. And uh, yeah, and I was. T- it was a Portuguese restaurant, and it was. Uh, I was terrible. And so I got a job at the t-shirt shop, and I worked there. And I was like, I don't like it. And I was like, I can't work at t-shirts anymore. And then I moved uh, to Minneapolis. Oh, that wasn't customer service. The one, the job, short-lived job I had in. After I worked at, I, I worked at that hot dog stand. My sister was like, you could. You could manage a McDonald's. That's customer service. And also service. do stand-up. Oh, my God. Oh. And I was like, and do stand-up? I think that's a 90-hour assistant managing a McDonald's, which is where you start, Yep, uh, is a 90-hour-a-week job. Minimum. And I was like, not a chance in hell. And yeah. she set me up to have an interview anyway. Oh, and uh, and a pe- And Pizza Hut. And so oh I God. go to the McDonald's interview. And it's a big conference room, and I walk in. I'm wearing hose. Sure. I'm wearing hose, Kate. So official. And um, <laughs> I walk in, and before I sit down, the McDonald's HR lady is like, what do you think you have to offer McDonald's? And I said, good morning. How are you? <laughs> I don't think I was going to get that job anyway. <laughs> I did not want that job. So. Good for you. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. So Kinko's was the worst because of how little it paid, though everybody got some version. And it was back when color copiers were just invented and they were three bucks each. Ooh. Like a print? So to print something. Ooh. Yeah. And so everybody, like I worked with a bunch of guys who were in bands, Minneapolis. Sure. 1990. And they were all making their J boxes for their cassettes. Uh, and you know, we all, we all just used it. And, um, I was so the, and one of your questions is the worst customer ever. Yeah. And did you ever tell anyone to fuck off? I told a lot of people to fuck off, but here's the thing is I'm working at Kinko's on a Saturday and in comes the worst people who come into Kinko's 
are middle management people who are being squoze from above. That's right. And they don't have anyone to squish except for the Kinko's people. And Kinko's itself, still to this day, FedEx office, is just run by people who are trying to multi... I mean, the job is multitasking. And it's a shit job. The only... The, the, worst, the, the worst job of working at Kinko's would be working at a cell phone store. That's as far as I can tell. It's the sure. only job that's worse. And my brother, what my oldest brother has managed them for years. And my nephew is currently managing one. And you have to know everybody's phone. You have to know the software for all this stuff. They are all set up with this sort of weird circle thing where it's not like the bank where you would just go in and get a number, get in line. It's all set up like it's always set up to drive you insane. Anyway, <laughs> but Kinko's. So this woman walks in Saturday. It's just me and another guy working. He's on break. I, I distinctly remember it was the summer that the Chris Sandwich was invented at Burger King because he was eating a Chris Sandwich. Uh, we had just made fun of it. <laughs> woman came, comes in downtown Minneapolis. It's dead, empty downtown Minneapolis on a Sunday afternoon. And she's like, I need copies of this real estate, these photos of these houses, and I need it for my boss and all these things. And I was like, okay. And so I try to make the color copier work. There's too much red. It will not work. We, we go back and forth. I'm like, it's not working. You're, there's another Kinko's uh, uptown Minneapolis. I can call them, make sure that their color copier is working. And she's like, can you just try again? So I try again. I can't make it work. And she's like, why can't you make it work? And I was like, because it's not working. Uh, I, I just, I only know how to set the thing and she's getting angrier and angrier. And she's like, try it again. And I was like, I gotta be done. We've done like 11 copies. How many more rounds of these? Yeah. But they're not good enough, but you could have them and you could go up to Minneapolis, uh, uptown. And she's like, just try one more time. And I said, no, we gotta be done, ma'am. And she goes, how long have you worked here? Now, if you've worked in customer service, <laughs> that is the worst thing to ask anyone ever. Never, ever do that. Don't ever do that. Because first of all, the answer is too long. <laughs> always. It's always too long. Always too long. Because you just ruined whatever I liked about this job <laughs> by asking me that fucking that question. question. And so I said, oh, we're so done now. You can leave. You said it just like that? And she, yeah. Fuck yeah. And she goes, what? And I said, have a good day. <laughs> and I just stood there and she's like, I'd like to talk to your manager. And I said, why don't you try talking to me <laughs> instead of just yelling at me? And she's like, where is your manager? I said, we don't have a manager here today. You can, don't let the door hit you. See ya. <laughs> and she's like, what? All of a sudden, Chris Sandwich guy comes out <laughs> and he taps her on the shoulder and he goes, how's it going? What's going on? And the woman is like, this woman is being rude to me. And I said, the color copier isn't working. And he goes, why don't you, why don't you take a break, Jackie? I'll, I'll, I'll take care of her. And I said, you don't need to take care of her. She's leaving. And he goes, I get that. Why don't you go, why don't you hit the break room? And I'll be right, and we'll just, we'll deal with it. And I was like, okay. And I back up. He stands in front of me. So I'm, I don't leave. I'm standing right behind Good. him. She can see me. He can't see me. He's talking to her. She starts essentially lying. I'm not necessarily the hero of what just happened, but she's saying that I was rude from the beginning. 
I am the golden retriever of customer service, man. I am like, hi, welcome to the fucking thing. (laughs) So said just like that, (laughs) just like that. And so she is like saying that I, she was like, she doesn't know how to use the equipment. Can you try all these things? And he's like, ma'am, the color copier isn't working. And so she just starts on and on and on. And finally I've had it. And I just look at her and I mouth the words, but I do not say them. Cry baby. <laughs> and I make a tear motion <laughs> down my cheek. I cannot. <laughs> and she bursts into tears and says, I am not a crybaby and storms out. Now, the next time I'm working is Tuesday. Now, this is 1990. I was born in 1965. So 75, 85, I'm 25 years old. My boss is 23 years old. Uh. And so she, on Tuesday, I go into work and she's like, hey, Jackie, let's go, let's go get a croissant. <laughs> a croissant sandwich. <laughs> but uh, so we go and she buys me a cup of coffee and, uh, and she's like, you have got to tag out. You have to just tag team. I know she was wrong. You didn't handle it great. And I was like, fair enough. Do you want me to quit? And she's like. No, we need you. And so I lasted uh, a little bit longer. And then I got the job at Northern Sun Merchandising, which where I filled orders for a while. And then I became the customer service rep. And Northern Sun Merchandising in Minneapolis is a catalog. I don't know if it's still there, but I think they were making a lot of money. But I think the, the owner, who is a friend of my brother's, is, you know, he's my brother's age. He wants to retire. So um, the customer service situation there, everyone at Northern Sun is stoned <laughs> or drunk because it's a hippie skippy t-shirt. Piece. Back to the t-shirts. El- right. It's, it's all gay rights, lesbian rights, black rights, uh, peacenik, hippie. You know, we sold Howard Zinn the people's history of the United States. It was all buttons, bumper stickers, posters. And so everybody's stoned and fulfilling (laughs) orders. Oh my God. The room for the margin for error. There must be mistakes constantly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm the customer (laughs) service person. God. And I answer the phone and I'm like, hi, Jackie, I'm customer Northern Sun merchandising. And it was, Oh, we, I got the wrong shirt. And so (laughs) how many times did you get that call? Hundreds, hundreds of times. I worked there. I worked there from 1991 to 1996, five years. And I got that hundreds and hundreds of times. I got that call. Dying. And I would just fix it. Sure. And I would just send a call tag, UPS call tag. Just all you got to do is tape it up and then, you know, just put this number on the outside. UPS will pick it up. They'll bring it back to us. We'll send you the right one. And then I just essentially just filled the correct order. And then sometimes I was drunk. <laughs> so I would fulfill it incorrectly. <laughs> you'd re so you'd correct the problem incorrectly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wait, were the owners aware that everybody was fucked up all the time? They were fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Kramer has been high off and on <laughs> since 1977. Okay, so everybody is a mess. So when you would fulfill the order, or would you when you would correct incorrectly, would you get even an even angrier phone call follow up that was like, "What the fuck is going on over there?" A couple of times, people did get mad just because it was close to Christmas and it was a gift and it was all these things. So I had to do a lot of refunds and a lot of you know, I'm so sorry, Mea culpa, and, you yeah. know, and I, right. But people, you know, in the catalog, 
I helped write some of the di- the catalog and the Copy, return policy yeah. written by me. And the return policy is literally remember who you ordered from. <laughs> Errors might occur. <laughs> we will fix them. But we are sorry. <laughs> they uh, I know that my brother was telling I know that like most of the people that I worked with mm-hmm. no longer work there. But Northern Sun. Oh, they were completely unmarred, by the way. Oh, yeah. They're still around. They have a really cool shirt. Uh, Jackie's real time looking it up. Yeah. uh, The uh, it's so funny that, um, you know, there's yeah, they're still here. They're still selling T-shirts and posters and they sure are. It's lovely. But it's um, there was a time when he went through Native American phase. Okay, He was dating this native. Minneapolis is the largest urban Native American population in the country. I didn't know that. Yeah. So um, he was. Scott was dating this woman who was Native American, I believe. But she was it was it was when the Dreamcatcher was sweeping the nation. <laughs> and so Dreamcatchers and Sage and you know, a lot of to this day, and quite honestly, my husband is like, I like to sage things. And Andy <laughs> is like, Why does it smell in here? And I was like, Leave me alone. Get rid of ghosts. Like I got, you know, I got, I got crystal clutcher work to do. Leave me alone. <laughs> okay. So that, so you work, so after Northern sun merchandising, what was the next, was it then all stand up from there on out? Well, it was sta- Yeah. Like when I, I mean, I worked like in New York city, I had a job that was dumb and that like I've always had dumb jobs and people are always like why do you have dumb jobs and I was like because I want to save all of my creative energy for stand-up comedy that's right so it can't I can't have a job where I have to think too much or if I have to write for someone else right so when I moved to Los Angeles my roommate Jennifer McLean got me a terrible job one of the worst jobs (laughs) rivaling Kinko's quite honestly it was worse than Kinko's in payment and it was the dumbest job. It was actually, it was called, uh, I was a secret shopper for grocery stores. I made $2.50 for every grocery store that I secret Stop. shopped. That's it? That's not even worth your time. You can't even walk in the front door and have that be worth your time. It was terrible. Ugh. Anyway, and it was, it was, it's a terrible job. And then I got a job in their office where I got to literally, I was surrounded by some of the meanest people I've ever met in my life. Oh. And I was like, I got to find other work. And so then I started temping <laughs> like you do when you move to Los like Angeles. And temping is terrible. Yes, it is. But it's a thing. And then, yeah. then I, I went temp to perm, temp to perm <laughs> uh, at an admin job at a closed captioning company. Wow. And that was my last day job so far. We knock on wood. Vitek is a closed captioning company and then closed captioning services. And I didn't close caption. A couple of reasons why. One, you are responsible for shows. Matt Bronger and Kyle Kinane both worked as captioners. They did. I love yeah. Kyle Kinane. Oh, I don't know they're Matt, adorable. but I love, yeah, they're they are. Adorable. That's amazing. Matt, they're both great. And then I was the admin. I just answered the phones and I did traffic, which was when I first started there, I think it was 98. Uh, I was in charge of digitizing the tapes. We would get three quarter inch tapes and I would, I would digitize everything. Wow. And then I would answer phones and then I would help with scheduling. I didn't do the scheduling. I would just help with it. And I did that for probably five years, 2003, 98 to 2003, several different places. I eventually quit when I got my half hour special on comedy central because I was like, you have got to try to do this for a living. And 
and it was hard the first couple of months. You know, it took a second. Uh, you have to figure out, you know, when you make your own money, uh, how to budget and how to make that happen, right? And I was always willing to go back to temping. I was always willing. But, my, but that job had been so flexible. My boss was the nicest boss I had. And people would be, like, I, I talked to a lot of post-production people and production people. And there would be, I would be late. Like, like the shows would be late or there would be, you know, there'd be some sort of problem. And I'd be like, you are correct. There is trouble. We will fix. I am so sorry. <laughs> I've, um, I've got experience at Northern Sun Merchandising. I know how to fix exactly. big errors. Exactly. I can tell you. I can tell you how this should have gone. We all know how it should have gone. And uh, I am sorry it did not go that way. But it was so funny because when I quit, what they would let me do at Vitek and at, at CCS, she was my same boss. I just went with her. She would let me go on the road either two six-week runs or one 10 week run and they would just get a temp just, and I kept my insurance. That is lovely as fuck. And so rare. It was um, so rare. So lovely. So when I finally quit, she literally said to me, uh, are we not being flexible enough, Jackie? Bless her. And I said, <laughs> and I said the only way you could be more flexible, Deborah Schuster, is if you were to just keep paying me. <laughs> And then I would show up just to go out to lunch with you sometimes. Because <laughs> I what like do you think? <laughs> and uh, yeah, and she was like, oh, yeah, we're not going to do that. Yeah, we can't do that. So. <laughs> okay, so I just counted from what you've just said. I counted actually 12 customer service jobs because I, I separated okay. the CCS out. So you had two closed captioning or the that sort of post-production stuff. Then you had uh, the Northern Sun Merchant. Well, anyway, the listeners have heard it. So I counted 12 um, <laughs> because I'm also counting yep. uh, comedy. So yep. that's amazing. Okay, now we've already discussed which one was your least favorite. So it was Kinko's tied with the Secret Shopper. How long did you last at the Secret Shopper, sh- secret shopper job at $2 a minute or whatever? Maybe, maybe three months. Good God. But you weren't even, yeah. how are you making enough money to make that worth your time? Jennifer McLean shared and, and I shared a studio. That's, that's yeah, crazy. And the studio, and this was in 98 or 97. So a studio apartment in Studio City or North Hollywood was $350. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, with but parking for both of us. But if you're only making $2 a grocery store, short of hitting a yeah. hundred. I got to keep the food, Kate. I oh, got to keep the food. Well, that, okay, I mean, all right. I guess that's something. Nope. <laughs> okay. So then we've heard your least favorite. Which was your favorite of all of You can't say comedy because obviously comedy, but of the yeah. one. I'm, I am very, I'm a simple person. Like I liked most of them. The hot dog stand was in Provincetown was amazing. I bet. Because it would start at 9 a.m. At 11 a.m. If you were not working the window, you could start drinking at 11 a.m. <laughs> if you were working the grill or the fry later, you could start drinking at 11 a.m. I'm noticing a theme of if, your favorites. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. You, oh, you will. And then. If you work the if you work the front, you couldn't start drinking until six p.m. Well, that's bullshit. Because we closed at ten, <laughs> so you only had four hours of free drinks. Oh my god! Yeah. Okay, so that was the favorite. I understand that. Yeah, probably. And then, but the merch was great because they had a full kitchen and you could cook lunch. You could bake a chicken and then sort of have, you know, a full meal. We was, you could roast vegetables. All the hippies were like, they were literally, it was, 
it was adorable. Yeah, they're making their own granola at lunch. I mean, that's, yeah, that's pretty good. essentially, dope. right. It okay. Was, uh, I, I was introduced to root vegetables. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I was macrobiotic, except for the beer, for two years. Without even really trying, because you were surrounded by a bunch of people that could tell you about it. Okay, what's the weirdest thing you've been asked to do whilst on the clock? On the clock? Mm-hmm. Wow, the weirdest thing. Jesus, I didn't see that question. I think driving from the hot dog stand to the pizza place in my boss's like 72 VW bug. And he's like, you could drive a stick, right? And I was like, sort of. <laughs> now, of course I could drive a stick, but I mean, <laughs> and I was half in the bag. So he was like, we need something from the grocery store. And I was like, why don't I just run? And he's like, cause I need you back. Not in an, an hour and a half. I need you back in 45 minutes. And I was like, okay. And so I'm like in his VW bug and Ah, oh, the word because the boss at the hot dog stand, he would drink all day from 9 a.m. And then at 3.30, he would have a Manhattan because at 5, he owned a pizza stand in Truro, a pizza a restaurant. And so when the when after Labor Day, all the college, all the tourists go away in, in Provincetown, he was like, well, do you want to work at the hot dog stand during the day and then at the pizza place at night? And you can make pizzas. And I was like, okay, I'll make pizzas. And he's like, we should have shots so that the buzz lasts until we get to the pizza place. <laughs> and we get to the pizza place. And so then I'm just tossing pizzas. So half he has, in the bag. A, yeah. Half of the bag. But um, he went to, he just, he just spent, he went back to beers and I went back to beers and uh, Amstel light. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and then at the end of the night, he, I think he got the, yeah, he got one of the, uh, one of the bartenders who was sober to drive me back to P town. So, uh, and I was, I was living in a, a perfectly dumb apartment there. So that was probably <laughs> the weirdest thing is to drive, okay, pick up stuff uh, in while drunk, while uh, driving a stick shift that you were not good at. Okay. Yeah. Um, what's an incident that made that? Well, we've we mentioned uh, Crybaby at Kinko's, but was there another customer you could think of that had an incident where they asked to speak to your manager? No, you were able to kind of smooth everything just, else over. Just stand up. Oh wait, yeah. what? In stand up, I've walked. I've walked people. How I your comedy so enjoy? You tell personal stories. How is that? How right. can you walk? I'm someone? the golden retriever of stand up comedy. Yeah, um, and customer I, service. How? How? Mm-hmm. I kicked a guy out in Minneapolis, did not know he was attached to 51 other people uh, at my home club, Ooh. and it cost the club a couple grand, and uh, and Louis Lee, who owns Acme Comedy Club, where I just recorded my new album, he was like, a- after the show, he was like, well, that was a lot, and uh, <laughs> I said, I am so sorry, I did not know, and it was five minutes into my set. Wait, why, can you tell the story around it? Well... Okay, so I was headlining. Chad Daniels was featuring. Okay. Do you know Chad? I don't. He's the greatest. He's one of the greatest stand-up comedies workers today. If oh. you like Bill Burr. Oh, I love Bill Burr. He's better than Bill Burr. All right, I'm writing me. that down. Chad Daniels. Okay. Chad Daniels. See all of his works. Okay. And, um, but if you love Bill, you'll love Chad. I forget who was emceeing, but whatever it was, Chad got off stage, and he goes, there's a guy in the front second row who was mean to the MC. He wouldn't stop with me. He's the worst. And so I get on stage predisposed. The first guy who pipes up, I'm like, That's yeah, the guy. you got to go. It was the boss. Oh, my God. And it was in November, so it was corporate. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, yeah. Lewis was Lewis did not book me near Thanksgiving or Christmas ever again. For the next three years. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. I called for a week the following year, and he's like, "What about March?" <laughs> what about? And I? I was like, "Hey, can I get November?" And he was like, "No." Nah. No, we're not going to do that again. I'm thinking March. And I'm like, <laughs> and I hang up and I was like, oh my God, was it because of that? Because I'll eat it for 45. I won't ever kick anyone out again. And he was like, how about March? <laughs> He's like, love you. And then it was summer. And then it was, and I finally worked back until my triumphant New Year's Eve return. Yeah. <laughs> and whatever, except for I hate working New Year's Eve. And then a terrible terrible thing happened uh, would have been I think September of 2019 or or December of 2019 where I was in Rosemont Zanies outside of Chicago sure yeah Zanies yeah and it was a new manager and there was a, a woman who had come for her birthday paid VIP her and her either her husband or her dad looked exactly like Leonard Brezhnev <laughs> Why is why I remember what that guy looks like. Yeah. They <laughs> sat in the front row. She was wearing a MAGA hat and she was heckling me. Of course she was. And literally like whisper heckling me. So no one else could hear her. Oh, that's that's sociopathy. That's that's weird. So it was completely. It yeah. was she was a, she's a sociopath. Yeah. And what happened was there were these other there were again, there were corporates and they were and there was a big guy who kept going, just ignore her. Just and I was like I can't ignore her. I, you're not hearing her say shit to me. And she was say, saying that I was fat. She was like, do you like my hat? Uh, you're, you're really not funny. Like it just was like this whole, and it was nonstop. And I was terrified because these are the fucks that carry guns. Accurate. And so I was scared, but I knew I had to do my time because you don't get paid in standup unless you do your time. Huh. And so everybody else walked. Like the ever like the, the the two baseball soccer team moms and dads, they all left. Like forty people walked out because they hear and her she, heckling you, and they're like, "We right. can't deal." And they're like, the, and at one point, she was drove me so fucking mad. I said, "How long have you been a Nazi?" <laughs> and she said, "My whole life." Oof, oof. And I said, "Well, then you could fuck right off, cunt." Good for and, you. Uh, Did you really say it just like that? Yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah, Jackie. Good. And so that's sort of after that is when they all left. And so uh, (laughs) then I, afterwards, all my merch is set up, but I just go into the green room and just hide after the show. And finally, one of the security guards who did nothing during the show comes up to me and he's like, Hey, there's people who want to buy merch. And I was like, are the horrible people still here? And he's like, they are. And I said, I'll try. And so I went out and I tried and they cornered me. Come, of course they fucking did because they're terrible fucking sociopaths. Right. So she's standing, almost touching me with the brim of her hat. Wow. But they don't touch me at all. And somebody talks to her, so she turns around. Brezhnev backs me up against the wall. Security guard's standing there. Just watching this all happen? Watching it all happen. Brezhnev has got me, and I, I push him. Good, you should have. And, it, and as soon as I touched him... I get the red card, right? Then the security guy comes over and he's like, and I said, I get it. I'll take myself back off. And so I go back to the green room and like 20 people hung out like fans. And they're like, we want to give you some money. We want to buy merch. We want to tell you that it's not your fault. And I'm scared. And I'm, (sighs) 
I'm all upset and frustrated and, and all these things. So the next day I come in and the, and the general manager is there and I'm like, Hey, I don't want anybody. It's not a, it's, we're not, we're not a political rally. No, no political shit. I won't wear my political shit. They don't have to wear their political shit. Just, and he's like, we can't do that. And, and he's like, come into my office. Let's talk about this. And I was like, because he had, and here's, here's a customer service moment. He was like, so what the hell happened? And I said, security never removed them. And he said, so this is our fault? Oh, fuck off. Yes. Yes, it yes. is. Yes, it is. And I said, yeah, it certainly isn't my fault. I did my job. I did my time. And he was like, and it started escalating. And I said, let's bring it down a notch. You had a horrible day at work, I bet, today. And he said, Yelp has been fucking blowing up. And I said, I get that. Know that I had a horrible night at work last night. So we both had a horrible day at work. Let's bring it down and just move forward from here because it's over now, right? Now we just have to fix it. Now we just have to triage it. And he was like, well, do you want to go up tonight? And I was like, yes, because if I said no, then they don't have to pay me. And so I was like, yeah, of course. And so I had, it was literally the second show of a seven show week. Oh. I had five more shows. And every night I'm just twitchy Shaking. as fuck. And I get off, you know, I come home and I'm like, I can't work that club anymore. Yeah. And about three months later, so it's like February, the world's about to go into lockdown. I get a call on my voicemail to from a supposedly a Chicago cop. And I never returned that call because, first of all, we weren't in Chicago. We were in Rosemont. We, I don't live there. And because right, the manager was like, they want to see the, the security footage. And I laughed because stand-up comedies don't have, they, they barely can record your set. Hello. Much less, <laughs> much less. You have this forensics team that can give you DNA from the back. Like, fuck off. Zoom in here. Get in, blow, <laughs> blow this picture up. Pause it, exactly. pause it. Who is that? <laughs> fuck off. Yeah, nobody has the hologram machine from Bones. <laughs> anyway, so that was, that was the worst. And, it, and, and I, I don't want to go back to that club. No, I would imagine, no. And quite honestly, I'm on like a five-year rotation with Bert anyway, so who who knows the next time. I will probably will have forgotten it because that's the nature of stand-up. You'll forget and just go back. Because bad shit happens always. And And that's that antagonistic shit. It's like, that's like the whisper harassment of you. I mean, it was all so fucking calculated to push you to the edge. That's, That's so gross. Yeah. Um, it was literally, it was, it was orchestrated yeah, for that. Yeah, 100%. What was the last straw that got you out of, was there like a moment with a job, maybe the, I don't know, whatever job you can think of that you were just like, oh, I am out. Like, I will not go back. Oh, this is not a service job, or was it? I was in the typing pool at a, um, at an insurance company called Chubb Life. <laughs> I'm, I'm not making that up. Stop. Chubb Life. <laughs> And I worked, I, uh, I didn't work in the World Trade Center, but I worked in a building right next to the World Trade Center. Oh, wow. And it would have been 1989, 88. I tried to move to New York City. It did not work. <laughs> in 1989, you couldn't even get on stage if you barked. It was pre-barking. So you had to, it was all bringers. 
Oh. And I didn't know anyone. And so I got a job at a Chubb Life uh, in the, <laughs> I was uh, the administrator secretary to a woman who worked in the insurance company. Okay. And she, remember how drunk I was at all of my jobs? <laughs> yes. She was drunk at an insurance job. Ooh, that's specific. Oof. She was choices. passed out most days. Ooh, ooh. So the last straw was I went to a weekly meeting with, it was all the secretaries and all the insurance muckety mucks. We were all in this conference room and she was there just hung over. I don't think she was drunk yet. And she had a giant rip in her nylon on the back of her leg. And I was like, I can't stay at this job <laughs> and work for this woman. Oh yeah. So I literally went to her boss and I said, yeah, my mom has cancer. I have to go back to Wisconsin. My mom uh, died when I was seven. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> if my you're going to kill someone, you got to kill someone already. It's already dead. Dead. It's, it's bad, bad karma, man. <laughs> and, and he did not believe me because it was right after that meeting. He was like, you know, what if, what if I let you go back to Wisconsin for two weeks? We'll still pay you. We'll pay you two weeks pay. It'll be $1,200, 600 bucks a week. And, uh, and I was like, no, no, she's going to need, she's going to need a lot of help. <laughs> she's going to need. And that was when I went back and I lived with my sister for the winter before I moved to Minneapolis. Wow. It's like, first we got to, we got to dig her up. Then we got to reconstruct her body. Then we got to uh -huh, give her bones give her cancer. cancer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. She died in a drunk driving accident, my dead mother. Oh, so. wow. That's, uh, I'm sure there's humor somewhere in that. There is. Uh, she was 33 when she died. Age of Christ? Yes. Coincidence. <laughs> Coincidence. He turned water into wine. There's a, hey, you, your, your mom might right? have been the reincarnation. She was also killed on a Harley Davidson, oh. and we're from Milwaukee, so we're proud. You should be. Uh, Right, because it could have been a Kawasaki. Come on. And that would have been embarrassing. Oh, my God, yes. the, the chatter. <laughs> the chatter, I cannot deal. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, well, you've answered, have you told a customer to fuck off? We call it our crybaby, so that's a nicer way of saying fuck off. Now, this question is usually for people who have worked in like the bar scene, although having been a dishwasher, this may apply to you. Have you how many bodily fluids have been on your person whilst you were on the clock? Oh, my God. I don't. I don't think just... Probably just spittle. Okay. That's <laughs> we, good. Yeah, I think none. Yeah, I think All I'm right. good. Lucky you. Do you personally tip? Oh, my God. Yeah, always. And I over tip. How much? And we're in a pandemic. So uh, pandemic time, everybody gets 20 bucks. Oh, hey, no matter Rockefeller. what. Yeah. Wow. That Hey, Rockefeller yeah. for real. Wow, that's lovely. Right. I just and, and everybody's shocked. And I go, yeah, it lasts as long as till the money runs out. Oh, take it. That's really yeah. lovely. Like even at the coffee shop everywhere, you're giving everybody a, a, yeah. a, a 20. Wow. That's yeah. lovely. And, uh, it's slowed down because, uh, we're, there's more out in the world, but it's, uh, I only learned about tipping at, in hotels like seven or eight years ago. I so, learned three days ago. I didn't know that right. was a thing. Yeah. The, the, the people who clean the hotels, it should be five bucks a night is, is three to five bucks a night if you can. And if you can do better, do better, leave 20 bucks. And then, um, and then I tip 20 bucks at the, at when I check in. Do you really, when you check in at a hotel? Yeah, because, yeah, because I, and, and I don't know how to do it with any style or panache. <laughs> so I literally say, I read an article that said that the people at the front desk never get tipped by good, have lunch. 
on me. And what do they, do they cry? That's so lovely. <laughs> they, uh, they are, they are sometimes nonchalant because people do it a lot and they are some, and, but most of the time they're like, you don't have to, but sometimes you don't have to, which is hilarious. I've said that to people who tip me really well. And the guy was like, never say that again. <laughs> and he had clearly worked in the service industry. He's like, never tell people not to give you money. Facts. That's an energetic. Just, just say thank you. Thank you. And be happy. That's right. That they have because you're not making a lot of money. What do you what do you care? If they can afford to give you this money, they will give it to you. If Take they them. cannot afford to, they will not give it to you. So don't sweat it. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, uh, Lisa Curry, whose podcast you have been on, she yeah. just told me we were just in Vegas together a couple of days ago. And she said to me, she was like, oh, no, you you tip at a hotel room. And I was like, record scratch. What? Because my parents had done it. But I thought I didn't. I, I just thought they got a memo or something or something specific about the room. And Lisa was like, no, this is a thing. And I was like, oh, I'm a real asshole. Like, I just haven't done well, it. And you and you can't know until you know. That's right. And now I and know. Now, now everyone knows. That's right. Um, and so you tip you tip as well as you can just to make up for the fact that you didn't. Yeah, that's right. Now. Now I'm going to bless everybody. Right. <laughs> okay. Exactly. For 20 years, I did not. <laughs> Therefore, Fifteen, I have so or whatever. Do you ever not tip? No, never. Here's the thing. Here's you Uber and Lyft. Sometimes I'll have a terrible Lyft, and I'm like, here's a. I've actually not tipped on a Lyft. I was like, and because I, I I took it to Twitter one day. I said, what should I do? Should I give him the one the one star, or not tip? Because because it was terrible, and they're like, don't tip. The one star will affect his income in the long run. That's right. It will. So that's what I, that's the only time I don't tip. And why was that particular ride extra terrible? It's happened several times and it's usually because it either reeks oh, in yeah. the car or they drive like a maniac Yeah. or they ask me if I'm married <sighs> or, you know, it's just, it, it's any number, a handful of reasons that sure. are always gross. Yeah. And you're like, nope. Not going to give you the extra. Okay. Have yeah. you, or they're racist. Oh, bye. Uh, yeah. Super right. bye. You're just like, there's, there's no way to jump out of the car at 55, <laughs> but it will affect the shit. That's right. Sure. Uh, have you ever been fired from a customer service job? No. Wait, I have only been, and it, and it wasn't like a you're fired kind of situation. Yeah. I have been let go and it wasn't customer service. I was the announcer for the St. Paul Saints baseball team for uh an interstitials at the at the on on a local tv station uh, in minneapolis that's for probably four games three games maybe why only three games i don't know anything about baseball (laughs) i made everything into a sort of a cryptic historical or political joke Says the I pro- was not perfect for this job. They replaced me with someone who was better. Like Aaron Foley would have been perfect for that. Greg Proops. These are people, the, Jimmy Pardo. These are people who know and care about baseball. Baseball. Yeah. You were not that human. Okay. No. And, uh, well, you've answered this, but if there's anyone else you can think of, this is the last question of this section. Worst customer. Are we still saying crybaby lady is our worst? Probably. Yeah, yeah. she's up there. That's the one that comes to mind. Yeah, Yeah. she's up there. Okay. Well, now we're going to move on to the good stuff. We hope you saved room for dessert. (music) 
what was the nicest thing a customer has done for you whilst you were working? And in this context, you can also, if there's a fan that has done something extra nice for you or something you can think of that you're like, this was lovely. Feel free to tell that. Oh, there's always, I mean, literally. So I do the dork forest, right? Mm -hmm. And nobody is nicer. That's true. And dorks. That's right. Dorks and nerds and podcast fans in general. That's right. Smoke up the people because (laughs) they're psyched. Yeah. You know, they're listening to hours and hours. They feel like they know you and they do. Like they know me better than I know them for sure. Mm -hmm. And so, so many nice things. I mean, one of my fans gave me enough money to record this film. Oh my God. Yeah. Like literally that much money. That is so lovely. That's an enormous amount of money. And she was like, well, I could give you that again. And I was like, well, wait till next year. And I was like, it's okay. But people like people bring me gifts and, and, uh, and, wow. and they like somebody made me, I wish I was wearing it. They made me a beaded bracelet and stuff. <laughs> so I mean like cash and prizes is all lovely. Yeah. But it's like, I had a woman, I had a terrible gig in Albuquerque, New Mexico once. And there was a woman who came to the show who the gig was so terrible. I couldn't even ask for a ride to the airport. Wait, what, why, why? Uh, just because, uh, it was, it was owned by this horrible dude who was, his wife picked me up from the airport. The first thing she said to me was, if we don't like you, we're not going to have you back. And I said, well, that's true every week. And, uh, what a way to start. So I get there. The MC was the fry cook and one time missed introducing me. No, because he was making fries. Because, yeah, because they wouldn't let him have the night off. Jackie! He on a Saturday. I know, it's terrible. The club's closed. It's the worst <laughs> club in the world. The guy was such a shit. I came in once early to the gig. You know, I, I was staying at the condo. The condo is, is, a, is a polite way of saying an apartment that they rent that they put the same comics at every week uh. and don't clean particularly well and never replace the carpet. Uh. So the iron was chained to the wall. What? Who are you booking that is stealing an 11-year-old iron? $11 iron. So I was like, this gig is ridiculous. It was $7 to get in to see the show. They did not police the room at all. And I showed up one night early for for the, the show, and the owner of the club was kissing the manager of the club. So he was having an affair with the manager of the club. Okay. I had to police the room myself every night. He saw me one night. It was the Saturday. And so I walk in before Saturday for a show. He's making out with the manager. I walk out. I do my set. Uh, First show was the one where he missed introducing me. Second show, uh, the MC missed introducing me. Second show, I go up. It was such a – it was the last show of the week. I opened with a fart joke because I just needed to get their attention. Sure. That was the only set the guy saw. So he was like, I saw you open with a fart joke. And I said, did you see how unruly the audience was? He was, and he looks at the manager and goes, are you having trouble policing the room? And she's, and the, and the woman threw me under the bus and goes, of course. she's had a hard time controlling the room. And I said, did you just tell me that I had a hard time doing my job? I've been doing this for 20 odd years. And she goes, and the man, the owner guy goes, you know, I headline Vegas. And I almost said to him, you know, townie bars don't count, buddy. <laughs> but I did not. I did You're a not fucking hero that. for not saying that. <laughs> I just, I just let it go. And then 
Uh, I came back. He said, I had to refund like five people. And I said, $35. (laughs) (laughs) And I turned to her and she was like, how do you want your pay for the week? And I said, in cash, please. And she handed me $1,200 in sweaty 20s. And I take it and I go, sometimes it doesn't work out very good, the shows. And so I put it in my pocket and I'm now I'm, now I can't ask them for a ride to the airport. No, you super can't. But one of the fans was this older woman, uh, older than me at the time. And she was like, you were so great. I loved it. And I said, yeah, now I just have to figure out how to get to the airport at the crack before dawn tomorrow. And she's like, I'll drive you. Bless. And I was like, at five in the morning? And she's like, entirely. Not a problem. Oh, I love she humans. She drove me to like the airport that. in Albuquerque. Yes. What a lovely human. That is the absolute nicest thing. I, that That's yeah, lovely. It was awesome. And yeah. that early. God, I won't even drive friends to the airport. That's much <laughs> less a stranger. That's really lovely. What's the best tip? Well, I guess you haven't really worked a tipped position necessarily. So I don't know. The hot can- dog stand uh, oh. was the guy tipped me $10. That's nice. And I said, you shouldn't. And he was the one who said, never, never. say that. Uh, I just, and then he told me that he had just caught a tuna. <laughs> and... And he was a tuna fisherman. Sure. In Provincetown at the hot dog stand. Yeah. And he said, the tuna will sell for $22,000. Holy God. Yeah. And he's like, so let me give you, let me give you this 10 spot. Yeah. Wow. That's- let me give you this 10 spot for my hot, my foot long hot dog. So, <laughs> that's lovely. Yes. Okay. Uh, you've told us a lot of nice stories, but do you have like a best customer interaction or like, did you ever get a really lovely phone call when you were working for the merchandising play? Is there somebody that sticks out that you're like... This is the best. No. Okay. I'm out of stories. Those were them. I did it. You did it. Okay. (laughs) What's one piece of advice that you would give to customers who interact with customer service workers? Just obviously patience. You know, I once, I will tell you this story, which is I used to do childcare. When I first moved to Minneapolis, that was my other, that was my other job. I, my, my boss at Vitec and closed captioning services, I took care of her kids for like five years and they were wealthy. You know, they lived at Agoura Hills and they, um, the first night I babysat for them, I showed up and she gave me a hundred dollars to take them to the movies. And I was like, what, what is all this money for? (laughs) So when, when we went to the movies, I paid for the movies for the three of us. They asked if they could have popcorn and candy. And I said, clearly. And then (laughs) afterwards they were like, we were at a mall and they were like, can we get a toy? And I was like, clearly. And so I come home and I give her the, you know, 20 bucks change. And she's like, did you spend all of it? And I said, I said, yeah. She said, clearly I should have uh, told you that this was just in case you needed more. They shouldn't have all that. And I was like, okay. So the girl was kind of a pill of a kid. And they were both, you know, they were both used to a lot of stuff. And we were, there used to be a Disney themed uh, costume theater like it was like a Chuck E. Cheese kind of thing yeah. where you would go, but they would put the kids, you could be a princess. You could be Shrek. Like they would put you in the costume and it was super fun. You could play in like a ball jumping play. It was really fun. So we were in line and Caitlin said something. She was eight or nine years old. So, uh, and she's 25 now, 28. Uh, so if she's listening, you were a child anyway. So, but the thing is, is so she was rude to the woman. So, but the thing was, she was rude to the woman. And I said, Caitlin, this woman is at work. We are not at work. 
Whenever someone else is at work, they win. Mm -hmm. You get to be extra nice to someone who is at work because you're not at work. You've already won. Hello. And so my favorite thing, Jillian Jacobs at the hot dog stand. She was my coworker at the hot dog stand. Yeah. People would come up. Don't do this when you go to McDonald's or when you go to your – when you're standing in line to just go to the, to the counter. People will literally do this. They'll be looking at the menu and the person will say, hi, what would you like? Or hi, can I help you? Right? Whatever you say. And they will just look at the thing and not make eye contact and just go – Hamburger, medium Coke, small fry. And then they'll lean back. And Jillian Jacobs at the hot dog stand would always say, what about them? <laughs> Amazing. Would you like them? Would you like to use, what about the word please or a determiner? And it literally made such an impression on me that I try to make eye contact when I go to like any sort of subway, fast food, anything sure. Sure. where you're just like, Hi. Uh, how you doing? Uh, the grocery store, you know, because they're forced to ask you how you're doing. That's right. You can ask them how they're doing and they might appreciate it. They might also just keep it going and remember that they're at work. That's, That's all. right. Well, how can people get in touch with you, Jackie? How can they listen to, you know, well, my pin number? No, <laughs> oh, anyway. don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> um, how can they listen to you? Like what's the, how often does the Jackie well, and Lori show? All come my out? albums and stuff are on Spotify and Amazon and Pandora and all that. Okay. Um, Jackie Cation is literally spelled Jackie Cation, K-A-S-H-I-A-N. And so it's at Jackie Cation on everything. Oh. TikTok, Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram. Lucky you. You Facebook. got all the handles. That's great. I got all the handles. But if you go to Jackie Cation, Venmo, uh, if you go <laughs> to JackieCation.com, you can watch videos of my stand-up. Amazing. You can find out where I'm going to do stand-up. And you can um, see what merch I have and stare at it or buy it. <laughs> okay. And do you have any shows coming up or is it sort of pandemic question yeah. marks? You do. Okay, great. No, no, I'm, I, I've been on the road since the end of April. Oh, okay. Because to get ready for the new album, which I just recorded two weeks ago. Yeah. And now I guess I'm on the road. So the 13th and 14th, I'm at stir crazy in Phoenix. Okay. And then I'm in Las Vegas yeah. at the laugh factory. And then I'm in Albany, New York at the Funny Bone opening for Maria Bamford. And then I'm opening for her at a various improvs around the L.A. area. So That's great. And then I it just keep going. It just okay. it continues to occur. So go to JackieCation.com. JackieCation.com and we will oh, put wait. that. When oh. will this come out? Uh, well, we'll talk about that off air because we'll time it for when you need it. So it can come out. Okay, because I just I do online shows, too. So if you don't live anywhere near me. Check out. I I always do. I I loved Zoom shows, so you I'm did. still doing Zoom shows. Okay, yeah. we will. All that stuff will be in the show notes, uh, y'all, and you can look and we'll link to her site, etc. And okay, well, folks, we're gonna drop your checks now. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help us out here at Service from Hell, we'd love to have you subscribe, rate, and or review the show wherever you listen. It really helps, and it will help us reach more people that need to be schooled on the art of being kind. And we'll be catharsis for those of us still working in the industry. If you want to get in touch with us here directly at Service from Hell, send us your receipts at Service from Hell Podcast at gmail.com we would love to hear from you remember if you can't afford to tip you can't afford to go out so don't be garbage and be good to people it's easier that way thanks folks good night thanks jackie this was lovely really appreciate you being on thanks for all your time thanks all right we'll see y'all later good night good night